Today I'm joined by Ugo Arinze, who is uh, an estate agent in London Prime Central with Keller Williams. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Your name has been given to me so many times by people saying you really do need to get Ugo on the sofa and find out what makes her tick. So thank you for coming up from London. Thank you. You are uh, have been a, uh, you're an American citizen who's been in Amer who's been in the UK now for just over ten years, right. uh, both as a buyer agent and a seller agent. Uh, you, with the Keller Williams Prime Central London, um, and as I said, you deal in Prime Central properties. Correct. Um, I know your stats are absolutely amazing in terms of the amount of business that you turn over. So what I want to do is find out a bit, a bit about you to find out what makes you tick so we can share your story with the boys and girls out there okay. in estate and letting agency land. Is that okay. okay? That sounds great, yeah. Good stuff. When you were growing up, did you want to be a real estate agent? I noticed I've said the word real estate agent there, not estate agent. Correct. Uh, well, yeah, growing up in the States, no, that was not my initial aspiration at all. No, that was probably more medicine or being a doctor. What was that? Was that because your parents were kind of like, you know, you were either going to dentistry, medicine Correct. or... So, born in Nigeria, raised by Nigerian parents in New Jersey, it was pretty much you had your choice of three or four professions, one being um, medicine. So, yeah, that was... So, did you go to medical school and...? No, I actually went down the path of uh, business school. I got an MBA in finance and pursued investment banking route, actually. So, that became acceptable at some point. That's right to say. <laughs> um, being brought up by Nigerian parents, I have a number of friends who are Nigerian, and uh, the Nigerian parents have a certain... Um, what's the word? Um, of being quite concentrated on their kids and mm. wanting them to do well. Mm. And uh, was that an advantage or a disadvantage for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of both, right? So I think it's really clear on identity and what is expected of you and so and education being very powerful in our house. Um, I had a mother who was very much an entrepreneur. So she, you know, you just saw her hustle factor. And then I had a father who was a pharmacist. So you saw the stability. Um, and we were raised, uh, four of us, and we all got our undergraduate degrees. So we all came out with, um, with degrees. So were you born in America or born, born in, in Nigeria, actually? So what, how old were you when you moved across them? We left, uh, I was three. Okay. I was three. So, so that typical immigrant story is very... So, so in essence, you are second generation American. Would that be fair? Would that be a fair? Uh... Uh, yeah, or actually first year. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, because I was born in a the different country and came over. So. Why did your parents emigrate to America? So we, um, my father had been educated in America, so he'd gotten that exposure. He was very bright and got the opportunities to, to get a scholarship to go to school in America. Came back, met my mother, had us, and there had been a war, and there was really more opportunities after the war to come out of Nigeria. And New Jersey is a heavy pharmaceutical state, which is how we ended up in New Jersey. So what other jobs do your siblings do then? Are they in similar sort um, of... One's also a banker, one is in real estate, and one does uh, film production, actually. And what you often find uh, with, with immigrant families is, is that they almost want to better themselves and actually are better than the intrinsic population. Mm -hmm. And I'm being positive there. Is Did you feel that, that was you were being driven by your parents and the community to almost push yourselves or...? Yeah, there is definitely a sense of pride in education and, um, yeah, having come from educated parents 
it was expected of you. And so we were surrounded by families where others were doctors and lawyers and engineers and accountants. So the role models were there. So there wasn't, and you were expected to see what your parents had achieved and, and hopefully go back and take care of them and take care of the community. And so we were instilled with a lot of, um, I think, great values as far as family, work ethic, and working hard. Uh, do you still have your grandparents in Nigeria or? No, unfortunately, we didn't really grow up knowing our grandparents, funny enough, because I think we left as a nuclear family. So we grew up really amongst ourselves and then the broader Nigerian okay. community. And what specifically, what values did your mother teach you? Gosh, uh, well, I just lost my mother at Christmas, so I've had so much time to reflect on this. Please accept my consensus. Thank you. Um, hard work. Um, and sense of community and really our house was that lightning rod for others. So truly a heart to serve, I think, is what I've come back and the people who've come back and given stories of her, what she meant to them, has become a legacy that has really inspired well, everyone me. Everyone in the neighborhood used to. Yeah, yeah, just literally coming and saying, your mother held my hand when I was going through something. Your home was our home, and we did. Our home, you were always giving up your bed or sharing with an auntie or uncle coming over, and our house was welcoming, there was food, there was conversation, and there was love. So definitely. Can't, can't and much more than yeah. that. And she was a hustler, can I say that too? My can. mother was incredibly hardworking, and she built herself up from uh, no formal education to getting a college degree to building real estate, funny enough, in New Jersey, becoming a landowner, um, and just leaving a legacy that's tremendous. That's amazing. I'm sure your mum would be proud of you of what you've we done. Hope so. So. Yeah, what so. about your dad? What did he bring? What did he teach you? I think he brought stability. He was a pretty laid back person, but just um, one of the things I admire about my father is just showing up every day. He showed up every day for the job at hand, enjoyed his work, um, and loved his family. So I just think that stability of just somebody showing up every day, and she was kind of out there pushing and always striving for more, and he was just pretty much like, um, happy with where he was at. So you went to New York University and got your MBA in business and you became the associate uh, to the managing director of the real estate arm of the Bank of America. What did you learn there? Well, over the course of 10 plus years, yeah, I, you know, rose up through the ranks and got to that MD level. Um, one of the things I think in structuring real estate deals particularly was attention to detail, um, getting familiar with all the different asset classes of real estate. So we used to underwrite across the board, uh, fairly large loans we would do. Um, as an associate, you start off creating what we call bank books, and they were books you would need to attract other banks into the syndicate. And attention to detail was so important. I think also what I learned was being in a room with people who didn't look like me and having to build conversation and rapport. Um, and finally, I think one of the things when you worked with so many other banks and if you were the lead bank, you had to make life easy for them. I found that over time, the more you could spoon feed somebody and give them information, the easier you're making their life. and the, more likely to get to a yes, that, which is ultimately what we wanted. So go the extra mile, give the information, make things clear, and yeah, attention to detail. Don't don't slack off on the small stuff. How did the Bank of America cope with the with the credit crunch in 08, 09? Yeah, we were in the middle of it. So we went from obviously focus on generating leads and pushing leads and getting loans done and securing them 
to basically trying to right the ship and um, get back funds from developers and others who were now in financial trouble. So you really went from um, a business development space to now trying to um, kind of liquidate out what you, the loans that were on the books. What did you learn at that time? Um, <laughs> well, I learned that uh, things have to make financial sense if you're going to do something. And there was a space where we had gotten so, and as did many banks, had gotten so aggressive in their lending, such that developers really, it didn't even make financial sense to hold on to those properties anymore. So I think we really need to be careful on the buy side. As I say, you know, you make your money on the buy in how you go into a deal, right? And think about those worst case scenarios, I think is really important. In 2010, you moved to uh, the, the fair septed isle of, of Britain. What made you move to England? Well, I'd been with the bank for over 10 years and really was looking. And along the way, I'd bought property. I've done some flips. Uh, it was really started lacking, liking um, individual real estate, so really started appreciating that. I got the opportunity to come over to work for an architect in a finance role, and it was just a fantastic opportunity. I was very happy living in America and Washington, D.C., but I felt also that, you know, life is meant to be uh, challenging and to seek other opportunities. And, and this was an incredible opportunity. And oh, by the way, it was in London. <laughs> What's particularly attractive about London for Americans? Well, I can honestly say I hit the ground loving London. I loved it from an architectural space. It truly does feel like the center of the universe because I think, you know, Americans say it's the melting pot or New York is a melting pot, but London feels so global. And so that was very attractive to me. I think, as I said, the architecture, the history, beautiful homes. So let's start with that. Um, and just that sense of you are literally connected to the rest of the world. So ease of travel makes it very interesting as well. And just, yeah, you can bump it. Everybody has a tribe in London, I, I would actually say. You cannot be from someplace and not identify with somebody else, no matter how, whether it's in dress or however you feel about the world, you will find your tribe in London. You said earlier on that to your mother, community was everything. Do you think that tribe is the community that you were striving for from what your mother was trying to get, in, you know, when she was in New York? Well, definitely we had a tribe there. So actually I would say it was almost the opposite and leaving that tribe was very traumatic, right? So it was a lot of angst in leaving the tribe. But I also think, you know, your parents, or in my case, my parents had left someplace familiar to seek other opportunities someplace else. Did you just have this itch that you wanted to do something different and didn't want to be? I knew I wanted to do something different. I didn't necessarily, wasn't looking to leave where I was at. I knew I wanted to perhaps, you know, pursue. Was it just an opportunity with, with this architectural firm to say, I, you know, there's a job, it was a chief financial officer yeah. or something? Mm -hmm of an architectural firm and you said, hey, son, I've always wanted to do that. I've got no ties, let's rock and roll. And... Well, I kind of looked at it in the context of what the opportunity presented. So it was challenging role. It really brought my some of my background and that architectural space was very interesting to me. So the fact that I had been in that corporate real estate space for so long, architecture really gets individual, right? It really gets to the tactileness of real estate and architecture and the property. So those two things are almost the creation of something because architecture, when it's built, you see it, but you wanted to feel part of building something. Correct. And so watching that journey and getting more, you know, individual assets specific, right? Versus portfolios and things like that. You were there for two years. What made you then come to the dark side of property? 
Oh, actually, I know you were a buying agent, which I know outside Prime is not, you know, outside Prime, there's not many buyer agents, but what made you actually want to come into property first in, 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 as a buyer agent? Well, Chris, honestly, I hit the ground here, and one of the things that blew my mind living in London was that nobody was representing the buyer. Mm. In America, agents are licensed, and on most transactions, you have an agent representing the buyer and the seller. And because I had bought and sold multiple times, I couldn't believe the structure as it's set up in the UK, which is heavily dominated by estate agents, but nobody representing the buyer. And when you think about it, people are buying the most expensive asset in their life. How is it that nobody is actually looking out for them, negotiating on their behalf, helping them understand that journey, holding their hand? And given my background, so everything from having been a banker to crunching numbers and getting really familiar with that and understanding risk and return, to having bought properties for myself, having done flips and literally laid tiles, so I really appreciated the tactileness of, of property, I felt like being a buying agent actually brought my entire background in to serve others and help people community that wasn't really being served in, in London. Did you join an agent, a buying agency or did you set one up by yourself? I set up by myself. I think there is a bit of naivete that you know if you build it they will come. Um, how did you set it up? You know it, it's yeah buying agents there aren't that many in the UK mm. how did you get the attention and get the interest of people to actually use your services? Well, I thought that there was two networks I could really tap into. One was being American, right, and recognizing that London is a very appealing city for Americans, so I could tap into that uh, community from abroad. And then also that Nigerian background. So again, Nigerians buying into London was quite heavy. And so really started hitting the ground on networking um, and making those contacts. and What good old-fashioned building relationships? Building relationships, yeah. Is it? I know, I know it's saying... Uh, cliche but is it is it e easy as that and it's not simple but it's just building relationships well i think it's at that's what it is at the core of it right so you have to somehow convince somebody to trust you and build that relationship with you to navigate that journey and so yeah ultimately it is was it easier or harder than you thought it would be so much harder <laughs> would you do anything differently in the first two years of setting up your buyer agency um well, I will say that having joined Keller Williams, there, there was a lot of mindset issues that I think I'm training that um, I wasn't aware of. And coming from that corporate background, that investment banking background, I kind of say you don't know what you don't know. So I was very transaction oriented in ways. And yet there's so much more in journey of being an entrepreneur that involves the concept of failure, right? And, 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 and what are those roadblocks and obstacles along the way that when you think about that Nigerian upbringing, which is like a singular, get a good education, get a great job, and you'll just climb. And we don't talk about failure. We don't talk about disappointment. We don't talk about mindset. We don't talk about motivation. And so when you do have those setbacks, I think um, you, you wallow in them longer so I think if I had known more about the power of self-improvement and self-development and, and getting that, those resources in earlier, it would just probably have helped the journey. So you were with your own buying agency for three years and then you decided to bring sales in as, a, as an extra string. Mm. Why was that? 
Because you joined the Keller Williams team, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I think it kind of started with, I was having some success, but I was not having the level of success I had wanted, if I'm going to be really honest. And so funny enough, the agent that used to sell me property in America, she joined Keller Williams and then made me aware of that they were now in London in the UK. And so when I had some of those conversations, one of the first things, again, I realized is you don't know what you don't know. And there were others, especially with the U.S. model, which is really about helping you to grow your business and giving you the resources that you needed. And those things became very appealing to me was that I wasn't going to be journeying alone. Um, I would have a level of training and support that I was, you know, didn't have on my own. And that became appealing. And then, yes, to add the sales side of it now gave us a real opportunity to be a boutique one-stop firm. And that's really what we, we celebrate and offer is that we do the buying, the sales, the lettings and property management and can look after clients from start to finish. Would you recommend someone join Keller Williams? Yeah, I think the self-employed model attached to um, a, a brokerage or a realty company can definitely have appeal. And I think it is. It's getting those resources and training and networking that you might not get on your own. I, I find it quite strange that an awful lot of estate agents don't tend to go to Keller Williams and go to other models because they see it very much as a training organization. But you're a person who wasn't an estate agent. What, what have you done differently? What has your, been your mindset to accept that? Because let's be honest, a lot of British estate agents, they're a bit pig-headed, aren't they? And they don't like to be told what to do. Why do you think British estate agents are like that? And I'm making a sweep. I'm making that statement, not you. Well, I think what I've noticed is that the model is set up as an employee model. And I think that that does keep people perhaps limited in terms of opening your mind, right? And I think that's not what that model offers. It is literally make this number of calls. It's transaction oriented. And being an entrepreneur, a business owner, one of the things I've learned through, through Keller or other places is, you know, your business only grows to the extent that you do. And so if you're not constantly in a mode of learning, and that does take humility, right? That does take an attitude of where can I expand and grow? then you're probably going to get to a certain level of, or ceiling and, and you know, not reach your potential. And I'm always striving to, to reach my potential. So now you're in prime London. Are you still tapping in onto the American and Nigeria market or have you expanded your, your wings slightly now? Heavily focused on international buyers. So we do definitely feel like we specialize in that. Um, and yes, the American segment is definitely a specialty for us. Uh, again, I, I, I have a YouTube channel myself and we speak to that audience very regularly. And I try to say I speak Americanese, right? So really helping Americans understand this is how it works in the US, but this is how it's going to be very different and we can bridge that for you. It's interesting that you're, you've almost niched into some certain mm. markets. Do you think other estate agents need to niche down to actually, instead of trying to go for the whole market, niche down into their specialization? Well, I think you should play to your strengths, right? And I think if I get to be the uh, American uh, estate agent in London, that's an identity that why would I fight that, right? And so often, yes, I will get the pushback, say, with a local seller that says you're not a high street agent, and they see that as a weakness, I can help them understand why it's not. 
but inherently an American's going to say, oh yes, you understand me, you understand how it works from there. So that transition for them is much easier and that communication. So I think playing to your strengths is a good thing. What advice would you give to someone wanting to become a buyer's agent? Because I mean, telling, selling a property, most agents watching this will know, but becoming more of a buyer's agent. It is so relationship driven. So number one, do it because you believe in helping somebody along that journey. And I take it as an honor to help somebody during that phase of their life, whether they're first time buyers who don't have a clue to somebody who is divorcing, which is you know one of my current clients and being on that journey to help them find their next home and what that represents or somebody's upscaling or downsizing. But it could be a long process as well, right? Because if you, that first, that ideal property could be months down the road. And we always say to clients, you're not going to get any pressure from me. We want it to be right for you when the time is right. And so if you don't have that heart to, I think, journey with somebody, then buying agency might not be the best thing for you because it really is going to be perhaps a longer cycle. And again, I don't want to know figures, but in terms of trigger points, do you charge money when they come on board or is there a okay. success or is it a bit of both? Yeah, we take a, a, an upfront retainer and then we do charge a success fee at the end. And that just means that we're working with serious buyers and we're demonstrating, we're, we're setting that relationship up so we're on the same page. So by being a buyer's agent, your job is to find out properties that are off the market, build relationships with other agencies to find out where those properties are. And then also you need to be building relationships with future buyers. Yeah, but not necessarily strictly off market. So sometimes we say we're going to be using the same portals that you are using. But what we do bring in that situation is understanding of what your needs are and we can filter it down. And we have a fully established process now in how we demonstrate that. You know, to so our I would ask why would someone want to give you thousands of pounds when they can go and lock on right move? But I suppose these types of people, it's not about the money, is it? Well, it's not, but we can also demonstrate that we are, we do have the data to show that we are saving our clients on average well in excess of our fee. But it's on top of the service. And yes, it's that value that you demonstrate that you can bring to somebody. I know we're going to talk about it in a little more depth in a separate video, but are you, are you surprised that more British agents aren't buyer agents? So surprised. Because, and I really do hope it's where the model goes to, because when you think about it, Chris, there's such conflict of interest, right? When you have a buyer coming to you as an estate agent to negotiate with you when you work for the seller and why this, the government has allowed that. So I feel there's a huge opportunity and I really do feel like um, more agents should perhaps look into that. I do though feel they should do the homework on it because sometimes I think people get the one-off opportunity to be a buying agent and then they're scrambling to put it together. No, no, no. What you want to do is create a service, right? And again, what we've done over the years is show that this is the journey we take you on. This is how we work. And then people feel at ease with that. Not that you're trying to figure it out as you go along. I think there's an opportunity here for someone to do teaching of how to be a buyer agent, isn't there? There's an opportunity Perhaps. for you. <laughs> What's the future for Hugo then? What's the future for you? I think it's continued to grow Onyx as a premier um, boutique estate agency in prime central London and serving clients at a very high standard. Thank you for your time today. Um, we're going to do some other videos, okay. um, more specifically about particular topics. Okay. And uh, if you want to watch those, they will be on my YouTube channel. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it.